You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The Mishnah in the Babli had mentioned the 39 Malachas of Shabbos. What were some of them? There was Ofe, baking. Amara Papa, we know that the 39 Malachas are built on how the Mishkan was created, how they got the Mishkan set up, all the aspects of, of making the Mishkan. And we know what was so essential was how they would cook the dyes up, how they would get the dyes cooked up in order to, in order to uh, have the right color material that had to go onto the roof of the Mishkan. But they boiled it. They didn't bake anything. Why are we talking about baking? We should be talking about boiling. Amar Papa Shavik Tana Didon Bishal Samamanim. Our Tana that we've been studying, he, he should have been using the exact template, which was what they did in the Beis Hamikdash. The Havi B'Mishkan, V'Nokan Ofe. Why did he change it to the word baking? So the Gemara answers Rav Papa. Tana Didon, even though it's based on the Mishkan, he wants to teach it to us based on what we do, based on what every school child knew from things they observed every day around them, which was the way bread was made. Sidura de Pas Nokat. And bread is baked, not boiled. Amar of Achabar of Avira, Haiman Tishode Sichso Laatuna. A person takes a peg and he throws it into an oven. Why is he throwing a peg into an oven? Because he wants to use this peg. He wants to put it into a, into a, into a, into a bridge. He wants to put it into something that will be nice and, and strong. But it's made now out of some sort of clay. So what does he do? He puts it into the Tanur Cham to dry it. And what's going to happen? It'll be nice and tough, and it can be a real peg that will hold the stuff together. So cooking does not mean for food. It's using heat to change something, and that's what happens here. It changes it, and it softened it, as we're going to see in a minute, and then it got hard. So Haiman the Shari Sirsa Latuna Chayev Mishum Mavashel. Because again, the oven, the heat in the oven through the, 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 the container of the oven passes into this peg and changes it. It's right, Omar says Pshita. Again, it doesn't mean simple, but it's straightforward. If we know what Bishal is, we know this is a tolda of Bishal. What's his purpose? His purpose is not to soften it, but as Rashi says, to strengthen it. Bishel is about using heat to soften it up. You have a potato that's hard. It gets soft enough with the water coming out of it that it now becomes soft enough and chemically sweet, and you can now eat the potato. So it's about softening the material. So here it's not softening the material. It strengthens the material. So maybe that's not called Bishel. Kamash Malon, the mere farafi. 
but it first softens it. And then it starts to kvetch. Then it starts to shrink and harden. That's how it becomes a hard peg. But it starts with the softening. And that's what you see, according to this Gemara, is an important aspect of visual. Says Rashi, that the heat acting upon this uh, earthen peg that you formed, that is now in the oven, what the heat does is soften it. It softens that tough uh, clay that it's made out of. And the natural water that's found in the clay, because the clay comes from the ground, it has natural water in it, that becomes, uh, that, that evaporates. Then it starts to shrink. It starts to have grooves in it. Comet is like to have wrinkles in it, which means miskasha. It gets tough. So why is it called bishul? Because of the way it starts. Rashi says, So that's what bishul is. You look, even though the end of it, it's getting hard, but, if, but the purpose was softening to get hard, so that's why we've got you for Bishel. So it was a chidush that he was saying. It wasn't just something that was straightforward. There was an, an, an analytical understanding that needed to be presented. Let's say you take a tar, you take pitch, and you heat it up and it melts. Mar says again, Pshita. Isn't that straightforward, that uh, doesn't have to be eaten, doesn't have to be stuff that you eat. You wanted the heat to soften up your tar and to turn it into, to liquefy it even more. Mar says, I would have said, because once it's cooked, it could basically go back to the shape that it was before. So maybe that's not called bishul. Since even though it's true, it melts it, but then you leave it out of the oven for a while. It goes back to that hard shape that it had before, so maybe it's not even considered like you did anything. Kamash Milan, that since it melts it for now, even though later it's going to get hard again, but what you did now is considered significant enough that you're going to be chayev. You're actually going to bring a korban chatas and chayev skilo with Adam and Asra for Bishel. If you think about it, to make a barrel the way they used to make it in those days, and you didn't know that it was Shabbos, or you didn't know these malachas were also on Shabbos, you could bring seven chatos. Tanura, making an oven, you'd be chayiv shmona chatos. Amar Abaya, haiman da oven chauta, if you're making a basket, chayiv achasas rechli, you could chayiv eleven chatos. And if you wanted to, on this basket that you either put honey in or whatever you put in this basket that you use, if you're going to actually tie a, a covering onto it, we can get you for 13 chatos. Okay. So what we could do here is just read the Rashi quickly, how you have 7 and 8 and 11 and 13. So here we go. Start with the barrel. The barrel you can give seven chatos. Let's see how. Sheva chatos tochein haragovim. So first of all, you have to get a barrel. You need ground. You need material. So you have to go get the dirt, and you have to be tochein them. Vishochein hadaik abitochein. And then when you make them into smaller pieces, that's called tochein. 
Then Borer, Hatsroros, Hagasos. If you want to really use it for uh, material as a, as, a, as a barrel, you have to get rid of the junk that's there. You have to get rid of the, the stones and other stuff that isn't going to be part of the barrel. That's Borer. And then even when you have your dirt, but there's still going to be big pieces that aren't going to uh, make, aren't going to allow you to sculpt it properly, that's going to be Rikud. Marakta Benapa, that's three. Then you're going to put water in. Magavalatit, Ainulosh. Then you're going to smooth it out. That's Bimareach, that's five. Kishosa Golem, Shichalak. Then then it's going to be, that's called Mamachik. Then you're going to do what? You're going to have to turn the oven on. Maverisa or Bikibshon. Then you're going to actually put it into there. You're going to soften it and then harden it. That's Mavashel. Okay. So that's how you have seven. How do you have, if you're making an oven, it's eight? Because over there, the La'acha Shetzarfu Bikibshon, who talk of Tvela, Shi'av. The Choma Miskayim, that's the Gemar Melocha, that's called Makabipatish. Because after you make the, the oven, you actually do another act to finish it off. So that's a Gemar Melocha, so that's going to be eight. Um, the the Tanur, uh, the, I'm sorry, the barrel, making a barrel, you don't have Makabipatish because that happens in the oven by itself. There's no extra act that you do to become a makabapatish. In terms of the kiveret, you're going to be high of 11. How do you have 11? So again, zomer akenim. First, you have to go get the reeds and you have to, uh, you have to go ahead and, and, and prune the reeds. So that's two right there, as we weren't before. There's pruning and coats here. Then you're going to gather all the reeds that you need. That's ma'amir. That's three. Then you're going to have to, when you get them onto the table, you're going to take out the ones that aren't so good. That's going to be borer. Then you're going to, uh, you're going to smooth them out so they could work to be part of the basket. That's mamachik. Then you're going to make them smaller, right? Because you're going to take it, you're going to make it a smaller size. You're going to cut it down to a third of the size to use them in order to put these uh, things together as a basket. That's tochek. If you're gonna, if you if you want them to be an exact size, that's machateach. <laughs> then you're gonna stretch it because <laughs> you're gonna put these things together and stretch it across. That's mesech. <laughs> then you're gonna weave the basket. That's oreg. And but to do oreg, you're also before you do oreg, you have to do shteibateinirin, and then you're gonna do oreg. Then you're gonna cut off the extra pieces. To make it all smooth, that's makabipatish. And that's how you have a leaven. And if you tie it to put, a, uh, to put something uh, over the basket, so you're going to have to do tefira to insert it properly, and then you're going to have to do kashira, you're going to have to make a knot after the tefira. So that's Rashi. That's how you need to know how to learn. Because without Rashi, you'd be sitting there, 10, 11, Everybody be scratching their head. Rashi takes you through, he takes you by the hand, and he shows you exactly how this thing is done. Okay? And the Mishnah talked about gozes. This is when you shear an animal and you take off its uh, wool. So that's gozes. Melabno, 
is when you are doing what? Melabno is when you are causing it to be white, right? You 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 bleach, you blanch it. Normal way, of course, what you do is you shear the animal, and then that's gozes, and then you start working on the uh, on the uh, on, on the wool. What about if while the animal it's the animal's still alive, and it's or the wool or, or the wool is still on the animal's back? And you start being tove the tzemer shalgabi behema b'shabes. You start you start separating what's the eventual what's going to be your wool strands. Why what's on the animal? And then you cut it afterwards. Chayiv shalosh chatos achas mishum gozes that you did at the end. The achas mishum menapets when you combed it out, and then when you started. Um, Putting, uh, uh, weave, banding one bundled within the other. That's tove. But you did that while the while it was still on the animal. You're still chayim three. Who said that? Rabbi Baravchana. In the name of the great Rabbi Yechonen. Ravkana said, I don't buy it. Even though you say it from Rabbi Yechonen, ain't there a kazizah That's a shinoi. Nobody does gozes that way. <laughs> you cut it off the animal first. Right? Meaning, you let me explain it better. You 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 don't shear off of the animal an animal that already has the wool combed out and 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 settled together the like 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 strands of wool. First, you take it off the animal and do it. Doing it on the animal and then doing gaziza, the whole thing is a shinui. Ain't derech menapitz bekach, ain't derech tovi bekach, and therefore it's all with a shinui. You're not going to be chayav achatus. The low, we ask Rav Kana, Vatanya, Mishmei the Rav Nechemia, from the Tana Rav Nechemia. What does the Pasuk say? It says, Shatuf Pe'izim, Rav Nechemia said that the, the, by, in the Beis HaMikdash, what happened? The Pasuk says, in Shemos, it says, Tobu Esa'izim, when it talks about the women who were able to uh, get wool from the animals that were used for the mishkan, it says that they they did tivia on the on the goats themselves. It shouldn't have said tavu beizim. It should have been tavu the tzemer off the izim. Why does the pasuk say beizim? Because Rav Nachemia says, you know what? How they did it in the Beis Hamikta in the mishkan, shatuf beizim the tavu beizim. They did everything while it was on the goats. That's how, that's how, then they did Gaziza. Alma, so you see that, how did they do it? How did they produce the wool material that was so, uh, that they made the, uh, that they made the mixoth, the coverings of the Mishkan from? It was from goat hair that was processed exactly in the way Rabbi Yochanan said. Alma al gabi behema shmel tviya. no, no. They were special. Even though they did it, they those were women, they were they were so special, they knew how to do it. So even though we learn from the Beis HaMikdash, but if we, right? It says, But it's not going to turn into our derech. Even though the Mikdash is the template, but there they were super special. They were able to do it. But normal people can't do it that way. It's considered a shinui. 
and we paskin against Rabbi Yochan, and we paskin like Rav Kana in that case. Uh, you take from a bird, you take the, the feather of the bird, you take it off, it's got, uh, it's, it's got of course, the, the down in the feather, and it's got like the kona, it's got the, the, the pin that, that holds the, the, the feathers together. So what do you do? You take it off the bird, kotmo, you cut the top off, morto, you strip the, 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 the down off, because now you have the stuff you want to put into the pillow, because Tlisha, and then you shape it, and then you, and then Marto, and now you, it's like, it's, now you're, you're getting it ready, the material, it's like Ma'amer. Tolish Chai Mishum Gozes. Gozes. Tolish Chai right? Because you rip it from the, from, from, from the bird. Because now it's the right size you want. And memarit, you're smoothing it. Because memarit is like memachik. So I, I, I said ma'amir, but it's like it's memachik. That's where you have three. Okay, kosher matir, the Mishnah said. Kshira b'mishkan, hey chavi. Where do they do kshira in the Mishkan? Where do they make knots in the Mishkan? Because we know that the, the coverings were actually larger than the space that they were covered. It would hang down by the crushin. And therefore, the wind, it would flop in the wind, possibly. So what they would use was they would actually attach them. Some of them actually was actually on the ground. Okay? So it was on the ground, some of that material. But in order for it to stay on top of the mishkan, they needed to tie it down. With, 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 with pegs. And that's where they would tie it. That would be kosher. So the Gemara says, okay, first of all, why would that be kosher, Rova? True, it was tied, but when God says we're moving the Mishkan, they would have to untie it. Why would that be the symbol of kashira that we now consider a kesher that your chayef chat is for? You never know. They could move tomorrow. Akanish Barakul any minute could say it's time to leave. So that's not a Kesher Shokayama. El Amarabaya, I'll tell you why. Shekane Orge Ariyas, Shenipskalen Nima, Kaishrinaisai. Because when the people were making the Uriot to, to go on top of the Mishkan, sometimes something broke. Sometimes they were getting all it was again, it was very it was very uh, a, a very delicate process, but they were these thick pieces that were sheish mashazar, and they were made of all these different materials, and they were weaving it together. Sometimes one of the, it didn't go totally across. If they tried to stretch it totally across, something would break. So what they would do is they would instead of starting all over, they would take where the break occurred and make a knot. Hmm. Amrali Rova Tirats the kosher. That's where you have kosher. Because obviously it wasn't perfect. They had to do kosher some places. So obviously to make it stretch all the way across, they have the, those the, those big coverings. They had to do kosher some places to keep the strings together. But Matir Maikalamaimer, where did you ever have where they were taking it apart? I'll tell you well. The Misramile Sometimes they'd look and they'd see, oh, you know what? We have to do this twice. Oh boy, that's right next to each other. It doesn't look good. 
there's there's these two uh, it's stretching across and we have to make a knot in both of these places that doesn't look good you know what we're going to do shari chad we're going to take we're going to be matter one of them the other one will keep the way it was just one second and they're not going to do it that way that looks really gauche gauche if you were presenting a, a pattern, you were presenting a shatiach in front of a, 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 a regular king, do you think you'd let it look that way? He would look at it and say, oh, that's, what is that? You got those two, you got that thing is open there and that thing is tied there, that, that's a hole there. There's no way they would be moderate because it would look terrible. So where would they be? Where was it done in the Mishkan? Because when they would want to trap the Chilazon, because they needed the blood from the Chilazon in order to to get the Tcheles, they would set up traps. And sometimes they would be kosher and matir. Sometimes they would make the traps firm, but then they would have to sometimes make it looser, depending on where the where where these critters were. And that's the way hunters always do. The hunters adjust their net. They tie their net. They loosen the net and retie it. That's all part of the hunting process that was necessary to catch the chilozon. That's where you have kosher and matir. We said in the Mishnah, what are some of the malachas tofer when you do a stitch that goes to tfiros? It goes in and out and in and out. Like up in the material, down, and then up in the material and down. The Mara says... <laughs> But is that good enough? Halokaima, that's not gonna, that's not enough. It could still become loose. It means that you you both ends, it goes in one material back out, in the other material, and then out, and then you tie it from both ends. That's that's where you have tefira. That would be called tofer, that would be the malocha you'd be chayev for. The Mishnah said ripping. But it's ripping in order to restitch it. Kriya b'mishkan me'ami. Where did they rip anything in the mishkan? The mishkan, you wouldn't rip stuff, would you? Yes, you would. Where? Shekain. Yuriya shenopul ba darna kairin ba v'teifrenosa. Sometimes you would have a, a, a covering that the moths had gotten into and eaten away, and they made like a circular hole, and it looks uneven. So they'd have to rip that whole section and reattach a new section to it. So that's where they did kriya to rip the section out, and then they would do tfira to to reattach a new section. They would fold it over or reattach new material, and that way, that's where kriya would occur. Because again, moths were still there even in those times. Moths and other sort of insects and stuff that would eat the wool of the other material. If a person stretch, if, if you have this this string of telfair, and what you do is there's a little bit of string left that's dangling out, and you and you actually uh, you stretch it, tightening it. Okay, that's also called tfira. even though you didn't stick the, the the pin in, but by pulling it, you're actually tightening it. So that's like the maloch of tfira itself. As Rashi says, 
that zuit also, because that makes it nice and strong. That's a told of tefirah. Halome dover echad min she said. If you're going to learn from the magus, if you're going to learn from one of these magushim, chayiv misa, even if it's something that's not Torah, you, that's the guy you're going to study from? No, you're chayiv misa for that. Rashi, that people of Torah, you should not be learning from that person. If you know astronomy, if you can figure out the movements of the planets, you realize the interconnection between the planets, you know about the influences, you know the mathematical understanding of how things move, you can tell when there's going to be, what type of summer it's going to be, what type of things, and you can figure all this stuff out. You don't do it. You don't continually do it. You don't use your scientific mind to actually produce something that's, that, that the people can see, also a sapere menu. We don't want to hear from that guy. Even though, okay, well, I want to learn Torah all day. But you had such a gift. You could have, with Rabelsky, like we saw, right? Even Rabnokom Eliezer Rabinovich, he wrote, he, he wrote a, a doctorate in mathematics. You didn't use your brain for that other stuff. You could have done it. We're not counting you as the great Talmud Chocham to say over Torah from you. What is this Magushta that we've been talking about? You can't learn from him? Rabbi Shmuel argued about what the Magush was. Chadomar Kharshi. One said a magician. A magician. Chadomar Gadufe. He's not a magician. He's someone who, who's everything about him is, is not about God. He's trying to get people to constantly deny the Jewish God, deny God's power, deny whatever God can do. He's, he's right. To time the Rav, the Amrigadufe. Rav must be the one who holds a magush, is really a person going to get you away from God. No matter what it is, if you're going to say is a magician, Haksiyev, we know, what does the Pesach say about not getting involved in magic? You shouldn't go to the magicians and, and the witches and warlocks to learn how to do it, to become part of their coven. But sometimes you need to go to them to figure out, for example, is he a Navi Shek or not, Rashi says. So you need to go to the magician to say, hey, magic guy, teach me about what this is, because we've got a guy who claims to be a Navi. Is there any way you could have done this with magic? And that could be a way to expose, like the amazing Randy, to expose these people and to expose the Navi Sheker. So the people in the Sanhedrin need to know how magic works. They need to know about ma- magics in order to expose the Novi Sheker. And Lahoiros, they also need to know when they get a magician, is he Chayv Misa or not? They need to know all different types, right? They need to, right? The Rashi says in Sanhedrin, sometimes these guys are going to try to escape with magic, and you've got to use counter magic. That's right, they needed to know it. So that's the Gemara's question. So if it's a magician, if the guy is, is not only a magician, but he's also a guy who hates God and wants to take you away from, from God and he wants to destroy your Ramuna, you can't learn anything from him. But if he's a guy who knows how to do magic and he believes in, believes in it, we actually use him. So it must be that Rob holds that he is a, 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 a Magadev. He's someone you want to stay away from.
If somebody is able to use his brain, his mathematical brain, and understand the algorithm, understand astronomy, and he understands how the planets work, and he has this mathematical, super scientific type of mind, and he doesn't use it, what does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says, You with your brain can understand how God works in the world. Because if you actually think about it and understand it, it isn't just, wow, isn't that a beautiful comet and a shooting star? You actually understand the science. The, you understand the science and wisdom behind it. Amar Ab Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, can you hear me now? Amar Ab Yechanan, Minayan, Shemitzvah Allah Adam, Shemitzvah Allah Adam, Okay. Minayan shemitzvah adam lachshov tkufasumazolos. How do we know there's a mitzvah to actually get involved in this? Shenemar ushmartem basisem. You should know how the system works. You should be like Shmuel to know how the planets work, to know when the sun and the moon is going to appear again. Because it makes a kiddush hashem. Because when the goyim see when the goyim see this about us, they say, "Wow!" They say that look at the Jews, look how smart they are, look what they know. They aren't just frumers, but they understand the way the world works, and they they're teaching us about the world. When they see that, they say, wow, look what the Jews can do. And and if you don't do it, you're Moneya Kiddush Hashem. You're breaking up again. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 